Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Uh, Welcome to this session on uh, the uh, 18-wheeler Overcoming Lust and Temptation. Uh, This is uh, the second session of two on on the topic. Um, uh, My name is Bill, and I'm a recovered sexaholic. Uh, I'll be facilitating this uh, uh, session uh, in the spirit of the... uh, uh, fifth tradition to carry the message. This is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. We ask that you please silence all cell phones. And let's open with the uh, uh, serenity prayer. Prayer, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may <clears throat> that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Um, uh, if you, uh, as we, as I uh, talk through this session. If you have any questions or comments uh, that you would like to uh, write, we have uh, index cards and pens up here. I will ask that if you write something, leave the pen back on the table uh, so that we finish the weekend with people still able to write. Um, so, uh, one comment from the last session um, uh, about learning to give uh, uh, rather than take uh, was that uh, Jess L. Uh, used to say that the first look is on God, the next one's on me. And what that means is that, that to me, what that means is that, that uh, as, as I described in uh, uh, er- earlier, that uh, when I was confronted with this woman standing, uh, you know, just a few, as she wasn't standing, she was walking uh, j- just a few feet from me, that, that there is that moment where either I'm going to turn towards God and take the actions of recovery, or I'm going to take the actions of lust. And, uh, and, and by uh, 
by immediately uh, turning my gaze and praying for this woman, uh, I was I was uh, I was freed from having her image uh, recurring time and time again. Um, we uh, we left off with uh, uh, number ten in the eighteen wheeler, and number eleven is get an essay sponsor. Um, uh, and and uh, it talks about getting someone who could see me better than I could, which is precisely what my sponsor does. Um, and it also makes the point that uh, uh, Roy makes the point that everyone I used as a sponsor had imperfections big enough to turn me away if I wanted such an excuse. Um, and so when uh, looking for a sponsor, um, my uh, recommendation is, first of all, uh, you, 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 need, you need to ask uh, three questions, okay? Uh, the first is, uh, do you have a sponsor? Okay, if the person doesn't have a sponsor, you don't want them for your sponsor. So that's the first question. Do you have a sponsor? Second question is, um, have you worked the steps with your sponsor? If the answer to that's yes, then you move on to question three. If the answer is no, then just drop it. Question three is, will you show me how to work the steps? Okay. Uh, now, I hear people say things like, I'm your sponsor, not your friend. Well, I, a number of my, my sponsor is my friend, but he's my sponsor first. And Rick is not afraid to say things to me or to pretty much anyone else, uh, 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 in our home group, uh, if he thinks if he thinks it it might uh, help them stay sober, which is another way if he thinks it might save their life. Uh, now that doesn't mean he walks around sticking his nose into everybody's business, but the people in in our recovery group, um, uh, we've pretty much given each other permission to speak the truth in, to each other. And, uh, and so I want somebody who can see the mistake that I'm about to make before I have to make it. Um, the other, uh, uh, point here that I, I feel, uh, maybe we, we, I, I want to take a little issue with is that, um, uh, get an essay sponsor. Uh, Rick's a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. He's not an essay. He doesn't need to be an essay. Now, if you heard his story before he quit drinking, you'd say, that's a man who needs a seat in this fellowship. The difference between me and Rick is he quit drinking, worked steps, and his sexual behavior improved. Okay? He is not addicted to lust. Um so uh, uh, he uh, he doesn't he's he, he doesn't he doesn't he's not a member of this fellowship, but he's still my sponsor. Now, um, if you think about it, where was Roy going to find an SA sponsor? <laughs> Roy was the founder of SA. Where was he going to find an SA sponsor? When Harvey got sober, uh, there wasn't there wasn't uh, uh, anyone in SA in Nashville to sponsor him. 
Uh, now, after his first sponsor, whose name was Cherry, passed on, he asked Jess L., who was a member of our fellowship, to be his his sponsor. Uh, and and uh, and then uh, uh, he had a couple of other sponsors. Now his current sponsor is in AA. Who's Harvey's been sober thirty five years in SA? Who in SA is going to sponsor Harvey? I mean, I'm, I'm really. The only person who's got that length of sobriety is Sylvia in Oklahoma City. So I, I, I don't know how important it is that it be an essay sponsor. But with that being said, with that being said, um, if uh, today if you are in Nashville and you want somebody who will take you through the uh, uh, through the uh, the steps the way they're laid out in the big book and step into action, you don't have to go to an AA meeting. We've got people in, in SA who have been through the steps with their sponsor and, uh, and, and are, are working with others that, so that we've got a, we got really strong sponsorship available, uh, in, in the area. Uh, I've got a, a friend, I, uh, who just, uh, recently joined joined us for this session, who's down in Murfreesboro, um, which is an hour from here. Ten years ago, everybody in Murfreesboro had to ha- either have a sponsor in AA or a sponsor out of town because there wasn't any recovery in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. But now, um, when when I have somebody who lives in that in that area who needs uh, help in SA, I tell them where where to find the the group. And uh, give them a couple of names because there's some uh, book thumping, ass kicking uh, uh, sponsors, essay sponsors in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Now, that's what we're looking to create. And again, if you read the last chapter of the big book, a vision for you. That's precisely the vision that they're offering. But it's important, again, to have a sponsor who's worked the steps with his sponsor. And my sponsor has a sponsor. Rick's been sober 35 years. Tom's been sober 55 years. Tom has a sponsor who's only been sober 53 years. And Tom's sponsor has a sponsor. The sponsorship business seems real important to the men I'm following. And the and and if they if it's not important to them, I ain't following them. Okay. Uh, so that's enough about uh, number eleven. Number twelve: make friends in the program. Um. Uh, he he makes the point that uh, uh, that uh, uh, our sexaholism destroys true true intimacy. Okay. And uh, and and what I what I discovered early on is that as I began to recover, that I could could show up to a meeting thirty minutes early. By the way, in those days, I had the key to to, to every meeting place where I went to meetings. Because uh, uh, for the first year, I was going to. Uh, two meetings a day, and on weekends I'd go to three. Okay, because 
again, I'd just gotten out of the hospital. It just wasn't one, one, you know, I would come home from work. In those days they had what, uh, these answering machines. You didn't, it wasn't just something on your phone. You, you actually had a separate machine. And if you had a, had a, uh, a, a message, it would have a flashing red light. And I'd come home and their light wasn't flashing, but I'd push the button and it would say, you have no new messages. Hell, nobody wanted to call me. I get that. So I started hanging out and I started making, uh, uh, making, uh, uh, friends in the fellowship. Um, the other thing is that, um, we, we tend to accept that people who are showing up to SA probably don't have the best social skills. Now, some people can be superficially charming, clever, witty. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, 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 that when we show up in SA, we don't know how to be a real friend. We don't know how to make an intimate connection. Now, in a lot of places, that gets you excluded. In SA, it's just, come on and join out. We're going to figure this out together. So, uh, so, uh, I would spend a lot of time, uh, as I said, I'd show up early for the meeting. If anybody was going for coffee, or 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 supper, I, I worked so I didn't get to go. I didn't get to go to lunch after the lunch meeting because I had to go back to work, except on Saturdays. But Saturday, what would happen was we'd had this nine o'clock meeting, and then I want you to imagine this: we we close the meeting, and twenty of us would go down to a nearby restaurant that served breakfast. And they knew every Saturday, they already had our table set up for us. The only question was, would would there be 15, 20, 25 sitting there? But they had the table set off uh, just for us. I remember the first time that I got there, I I got, again, I sometimes would get there early. And and I remember the first time that, that I walked in and sat down. And the next group of people who walked in, there were uh, uh, a couple of men and a couple of women. And they sat down with the men on one side of me and the women on the other side. And sitting ne- having a woman sitting next to me for breakfast was terrifying. Terrifying. Look at the heads nodding in here. I'm not the only sick person. Okay? But that was where I learned how to how to how to have a conversation with a woman that I wasn't trying to uh, have sex with. Okay? And I wouldn't maybe doing a particularly good job of holding up the conversation, but that's okay because uh, she was an essay for a reason, and she probably wasn't, uh, you know, at the top of the uh, her game either. So, so, But we learned together. And that's the beauty of being able to start getting connected with other people. Um, and uh, uh, one of the, uh, the, the thoughts I want to offer for your consideration is that uh, the people in SA do not accept you and like you or love you in spite of your, your defects. They don't. They love you 
respects you and accepts you precisely because of your defects. If you are not a sexaholic, we don't particularly want you in this fellowship. You have to be some kind of pervert in order to belong here. Okay? But we, and, and, the, and the laughter tells the whole story. We hear that, we laugh, because we know that in one level it's true, and we also know that we now are friends with people that in, in our addiction we would have either been using or abusing or avoiding or, I mean, but, but now we're making a connection because we're making a connection at a spiritual level. And, uh, and I found out that it's okay to make mistakes. I've hurt some people's feelings in SA, okay? And, uh, and sometimes they'd react and sometimes they'd shut down and then they'd go talk to their sponsor and then they'd come back, and, but they'd talk to me and we'd talk honestly. And if I got overwhelmed, I'd shut down and I'd go talk to my sponsor and I'd come back to them. Now, for normal people, this conversation is supposed to take five minutes. It might take us two or three weeks to work through the problem, but it's okay. We all know that we're not at the top of our game. I'm watching people laugh here because you understand that this is a place where we are, where it's okay to make mistakes and it's a safe place. And that's why I need to make friends in recovery. Number 13 is carry the message of your recovery. And uh, uh, remember when Roy started this, uh, there was no Sexaholics Anonymous. And uh, sexaholism or sexual addiction was still a new concept that was not particularly well accepted. It's still in the mental health community somewhat controversial. Um, but 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 uh, and and the pri- I think the primary reason for that is because um, because uh, I can do a urine drug screen I can tell if somebody's using opioids I can do a random breath tests and I can tell if somebody's using alcohol how do I know if somebody's recovering from lust okay and because there's no good way to monitor the outcome a lot of people don't want. Doctors hate to have a disease that they don't know what to do with. Okay. So Roy talks about, at first I I began by guardedly talking about my sexual obsession and desire for recovery to those who gave hints of similar problems. Um, I still do that in uh, AA meetings, which is where Roy started doing it, in his AA meetings. I especially love when our AA, my home group, AA home group, uh, is doing the book study and they get to step four, now about sex. Okay? And in my AA home group book study, you might think that I would be special by being a sexaholic. I'm not. Half of my Saturday morning essay, no, that's that's an exaggeration, half a dozen or to a dozen of my Essay Saturday morning group shows up at the Sunday morning book study. Okay? Anyway, my point being that you can talk about your 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 recovery. Uh and, and the way that I the way that I approach that is just what uh um 
uh, Roy talks about, but rather than sexual obsession, I talk about I have problems with lust. I struggle. I have had struggles with pornography. I I try to keep it in the most general, non-threatening terms for someone who, who, who may not even be convinced whether or not this is a problem that, that, that justifies any effort towards recovery, you know. Uh, but, but I want to let people know that the door is open. I also respect the fact that AA has a primary purpose just like SA has a primary purpose. So I don't talk about sexual addiction and recovery in an AA meeting in the same way that I don't get into detail about alcoholism and recovery from that in an SA meeting. I think we need, if we're doing, we're going to share about this, we need to be respectful of whatever group in which we find ourselves. Um, You can start carrying the message of your recovery like the, I, uh, uh, I, I was telling the story earlier. Um, the guy who, uh, told me that about the existence of Sexaholics Anonymous when I was suicidal had just gotten out of treatment. He had no recovery to speak of except that he had been to a half a dozen more SA meetings than I had. He knew where the meetings were, when the meetings were, and told me where I could find a meeting on the Saturday morning uh, following our Tuesday night meeting when I was suicidal. That's what he did for me. We're still friends today, by the way. Um, he's, he was in no position to sponsor me. He probably couldn't even have given me an intelligent description of, of what is the essay purpose. But he was able to talk about his own struggle, his efforts at recovery in a way that got me in the door of my first essay meeting. Um, uh, one of, one of my, uh, 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 compadres again, this is, is, is in AA. Um, and he's, he's a guy, he lives in Texas, but he believes in sponsorship like my guys do. So he's, he's in this meeting and, uh, he and several of his, his, he's got a couple of his sponsees who have sponsees who have sponsees who have sponsees. And so this is one guy. He's now been sober for about six weeks. He's working on, uh, on, on starting to write step four. And, uh, his, 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 let's say his name's Joe and, and they look over and here comes a new person through the door. And one of the guys says, Joe. That's, that fellow's never been here before. Go over and, and help him out. And Joe's like, I, I can't help him out. I, I, I haven't, I haven't been through the steps yet. One of the guys, his sponsor says, Joe, do you know where the coffee is? Well, yeah. He says, well, why don't you take him over to get a cup of coffee? Fill it up only halfway because if he's shaky, we don't want him to burn himself. Says, if you're going to get him coffee, you think that he might ought to know where the restroom is. Can you show him that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, okay. Well, once you got a coffee, he knows where the restroom is. Find out his name and bring him over here and introduce him. So Joe does this. 
Now, when he introduces the newcomer, this is Joe's home group. This is where Joe is a member. See, before that, Joe was the new kid who was hoping that what these old-timers were telling him might happen for him, but he didn't have anything to offer. He was just a taker. Then he gave, and then he became a member of the group that reaches out the hand to the still-suffering alcoholic. Why can't you do that in your essay meeting, regardless of where you are in your recovery? Um, and that, I think, is so so very critical uh, because once you have the experience and and are aware and see the results of passing on what's been freely given to you and watching it make a difference. That's right up there with cocaine or meth for a rush. Okay? It's awesome. And the other thing is it doesn't turn your life to crap. So when you get addicted to helping others, it's probably not an addiction that you're going to uh, spend thousands of dollars trying to get over. Okay. Moving on. Number 10. Learn to give instead of take. I want, uh, 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 I'm going to reference, even though it was in the previous session, because there's such a great similarity uh, here, uh, and that, that is uh, that, that it says, whenever I catch a, a likely image in the corner of my eye, instead of, uh, of, of obeying the impulse, I'd keep, whoa, whoa, I'm sorry, I skipped back. So that was 10, I'm, I'm, I'm on 14. Let, let me try, there we go. I'm sorry. Practice taking the actions of love. Um, I'm an imperfect and worthwhile human being. So number, uh, uh, number 14 is uh, practice taking the actions of love. And uh, 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 he makes the comment that negative sobriety, simply not doing it, fizzles out after a while. And, uh, and, and then in the next paragraph, he makes the comment, the crucial thing about my recovery is that unless I find what my lust is really looking for, I'm not going to make it. Stopping the negatives without connecting with the positive is no good. And... Uh, and again, it goes back to what I said before. I thought lust was my problem, but lust was never really my problem. Lust was my solution to the spiritual malady. Lust was my solution to the pain of living inside my own skin. And uh, and and so so I've got to find what it is that I've been trying to get by resorting to lust. And uh, uh, I want to offer a proposition that Rick challenged me with uh, uh, 25 years ago. Uh, There are, at this point, hundreds of 
alcoholics and sexaholics working on this, and it's, it's, a, it's a hypothesis that we're trying to disprove. Okay, here's the hypothesis that that there are two and only two motivations for any action that a human being takes. One is love, which originates from God, higher power, connection. The other is fear, which originates from self and isolation. Now, if you find a third, please let me know. But I haven't found an exception yet, and I've been looking at it for 25 years, and I've assigned it as homework for hundreds of people, and they ain't getting back to me. Now, the reason that I think this is so, so, uh, so helpful is because it simplifies that when I am disturbed, the reason I'm disturbed at some level is based in fear. And if I, I, I this, this allows me a very simple solution. The first is to go through the exercise on page 69 of the big book to identify the fear. That's step four, inventory on fear. And the other is to take the actions of love. Because when I'm taking the actions of love, it really interferes with my fear. Okay? Now, the the literature of Alcoholics Anonymous talks a a lot about love, service, tolerance, patience. It's... It's not that Roy came up with a new idea. But the contribution that I got from Roy, I'm talking about that, that, that hit me between the eyes is where in the solution and here it says, we took the actions of love to improve our relations with others. It didn't say we thought loving thoughts about others. We considered the ramifications of love. We debated the principles of love. It took, says we took the actions of love and all sorts of remarkable things happen. Now, I don't know how many times the word, the words come, you finish one step, it says, and now we need more action. That's in the big book. Roy's in here, he's saying, you can have all the loving feelings you want, but if you're not taking action, your lust will kill you. In the problem, you know the line, first addicts, then love cripples, we took from others. Okay? Lust killed love. First addicts, then love cripples. Lust killed love. Well, I got news for you. If you work this program, love will kill lust. But it requires action. Bottom of the page. The greatest opportunity for practicing love is not in meetings, but in my own household, and that's the very place it's hardest to do. Simple things. Every night before I go to bed, I go to bed early. My wife goes to bed late. But before I go to bed, I fluff the feather, the, the pillows on her side of the bed. That's 
Pretty simple. I get up early in the morning. She's still asleep. You look up, not a morning person in the dictionary, her picture's there. <laughs> so uh, I make the coffee, uh, uh, and, and, and it stays in a nice thermal mug for a while. But when it's getting close to her wake-up time, I, 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 I pour up a, a, a thermal mug of coffee, put in the amount of cream she wants, and go put it on the bedside table. <coughs> Simple. They're not calling me from, from the Vatican to say, Bill, we've heard this, and we think you should be our next saint. But my wife says things like, I'm, I'm glad you're my husband. Or I'll say, I'm really glad you're my wife, and she'll say, ditto. My former wife wasn't saying that. The women that I abuse so dreadfully in my active addiction, they weren't saying that. Okay? Taking the actions of love changes everything. And that means everything. Okay? Um, He concludes this with saying, every time I had a negative feeling about my wife, I prayed for her. I didn't feel like doing it, but I did it. It works. I did it, but I did have to be willing to give up the resentment and forgive. That's where step six and seven come in. Once again, he's making the point that it's not just about me doing nice things for my wife and then I don't have to do all the rest of the step work. It's as a result of transformation of attitudes that come as a result of the step work that I can take the actions of love not once in a while as a grand gesture, which I did in my active addiction, but I can be consistent about it. Okay. Next is number 15. This is the one that goes back. Recognize and feed your your hunger for God. And, And again... I'm going to talk about the spiritual malady uh, here when we finish up, but but uh, but um, Roy's grand sponsor Chuck Chamberlain said, "There's only one problem that includes all problems, and one solution that includes all solutions. The problem is conscious separation from God and everyone else." And the solution is conscious union with God and everyone else. That's what I was looking for, was real union when I was in my active addiction. And for a while, the lust and drugs and booze would would make the pain of, of, of the separation not so acute. It was good anesthesia. But as Roy says, when I stop doing it, now I'm not doing it, but now I've got the pain. I've got to deal, find something. And, and so this is where Roy talks about uh, making the real connection and the solution. We were making the real connection. We were home. So... He talks about a technique I successfully use in the moment of temptation is to ask in italics before turning the head and drinking, 
Next prayer. Whatever it is I'm really looking for now, please let me find it in you. Before turning the head, remember I said on number 10, keep looking straight ahead while praying. You don't get to drink and then ask to stay sober. You got to stop drinking. And then you get to be sober. But what do you do about the emptiness? You pray the prayer. Whatever it is I'm looking, really looking for now, please let me find it in you. I use that prayer. I want to say last night. If it wasn't last night, it was the night before. Whatever it is I'm looking for in this image and fantasy, please let me find it in you. I had something that triggered an old image which is, it can immediately become a pornographic movie in my head. Bang, right now. Don't let it play for 30 seconds or two minutes or five minutes to see how it's going to turn out. I know how it's going to turn out. Right now, pray, whatever it is, right now. And then the next line is again and again and again. Remember before, he said hundreds of times. This is, we're talking about repetitive prayer. Okay? Then on the next page, 166, this is cool. This principle of displacement works for all my negative emotions. I fill the place that lust or resentment or fear or judging would take in my mind with the presence of God. God, whatever it is I'm looking for in this resentment, please let me find it in you. Whatever it is I'm looking for in my hatred of, of Mike, please let me find in you. Because I want to judge Mike because if Mike's bad, I'm better. And that means I'm not as bad as you think I am or I think I am. But that's all crap. Why not just pray for God to help me connect with Him so that instead I become the beloved child of this loving power. Now I don't have to judge Mike. I don't have to hold a resentment. God, whatever it is I'm looking for in this fear or obsession, please let me find it in you. Okay? Now, then I have to go write inventory. If it keeps coming back, i got to go write inventory. But boy, this gives me that momentary so that I don't have to act it out. Uh, Number 16 is cast it out. Uh, And again, I'm going to get a little bit controversial here because it seems to me that people who talk come in meetings and say, uh, I have something to cast out, have never read this. It's pretty clear because what they're about to do is vomit all their emotions on the floor for the group to clean up and call it casting it out, when in fact what this talks about is casting out the presence of lust through the power of God. It has nothing to do with vomiting in front of your group. Now I've made a whole bunch of more enemies. That's okay. Okay. Um, number 17 is take refuge in God. Okay. And another prayer. I take your presence to shield me from my lust or my resentment or my fear or what my obsession. Whatever it may be. Okay? I don't want any... uh, This is another and the same one. I don't want any part of this. I want you to take it. I used this one last night or night before with that whatever. Okay? Okay. 
I, I want to be clear. These are powerful tools, and I'm pretty sure they are, because if they weren't, I would have been drunk long ago. Um, number 18 is look lust in the eye. And this is talking about at the end of the day, the, the review, which in the big book, falls in step 11, even though they talk about taking a, a personal inventory, which should be in step 10, but it's not. It's in step 11. Go figure. Maybe you need to mix prayer and meditation with personal inventory. Maybe that's what Bill was trying. No, that couldn't be that. That's too simple. But the point is, he talks about going through and bringing in any unsurrendered, intentionally going back to look for any unsurrendered Temptation. And uh, uh, I shared before, uh, when I first got sober, I heard first Jess, then Harvey, talk about being free of lust all day. And my first response is, these are people who need to study what's meant by rigorous honesty. And then a year or two later, it happened to me. I was doing this review and there wasn't anything. So I looked again and there wasn't anything. Oh, this is what Harvey and Jess were talking about. By the way, I keep mentioning Jess L. Uh, if you have not heard some of Jess's recordings, especially a, a group of recordings called The Lust Tapes, uh, Lee has them for sale. And by the way, I don't get any commission from Lee. I'm just telling you, these are really good recordings from people who got sober when getting sober didn't mean that you could attend three phone meetings a day and and go to two or three meetings in your community a day. These were people who had to do it sometimes uh, alone except for making long-distance calls. So it, it, was, it was good for me to hear them talk about how this works. And here's the, here's the final prayer. Uh, uh, it's on page 167. Uh, you know my heart, how I really want to lust. I send it away to you. Come be victorious over my lust. I don't want any of it. Conscious or subconscious, I want you to bear it for me. Please keep me sober from all my lust tonight. And uh, and so uh, so so what I uh, before I go on, let me just com- complete what Roy wrote. Um, these various ways of overcoming lust take practice, but they work. Again, the reason I know they work is because I now am personally involved with over a hundred recovered sexaholics. This stuff's working for us. Okay. And then, then this is this is the good news and the bad news. When I first read it, it was the bad news. Now it's the good news. I always have to remember that it's not the person out there that's causing my lust and discomfort. It's me. This brings up one final point. The lust I want to stay sober from is my lust. It. I made it what it is. I made it what it is. I am a lustaholic. In the same way, I am a resentful and angry person, a judging and condemning person, a fearful person. There is no healing for me if I deny, evade, or cover my defects. I'm as sick as my secrets. 
On the other hand, I can live free of the power any and all of these defects have over me by resorting to God instead of such negative emotions. I thus have a daily, hourly reprieve from my lust based on maintaining the right attitude. Again, those of you who know the big book know that step 10 talks about what we have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of a spiritual condition. Okay. So, I want to go back to where the story kind of began in the previous section. And that is that after the person has read uh, what I talked about, gone through this, and we've gone through this, they've highlighted all the prayers, I have them get a 3 by 5 index card and write down the prayers that they find most powerful. I alluded to a couple of them that I that I use on a regular basis, and different people have different prayers. I'm now sponsoring people who truly or have not yet gotten to be half as old as I am, and these young people uh, in in Tennessee, or at least in the Nashville schools, they're no longer teaching cursive writing; they do teach printing. But for these young people putting these prayers on their phone in the memo thing means they have them with them all the time. They'll forget their index card, but they won't go anywhere without their phone. Okay? If you do put them on an index card, it's very important, after you write the prayers down, laminate the card. If you do not laminate the card and you carry it in your pocket, the first time that it rains or it's a hot day where you start really sweating, it will run, run the ink and ruin your shirt. That is experience. That is not opinion. Okay? So you laminate the card and you carry it with you. Uh, I haven't seen it now for several months because of some... My grandson came to live with us and took over what was my office. And so I can't find my card from 20-something years ago. But I had it a year and a half ago. Okay, I no longer carry the card with me. And the reason I don't carry the card with me is because I carried the card for the first few years because when I would be hit with a temptation, fear, whatever, I knew that I needed to pray, but I didn't know what to say. So I, but I could remember that I had the card. I'd go wherever, I'd pull the card out, and I'd say the prayers. Early on, I was just reading the words, but I would read the words over and over again and again, a hundred times a day, just like the book said. And I didn't act out. And then I got to where I would stop because there's a difference between saying, God, please take this away. God, please take this away. And saying, God, I don't want any part of this. Please take this away. Okay. But it doesn't matter. I just started where I started and I used it. Um, one thing I will mention, I'm very much aware that we have people in this room who do not use their phone on the Sabbath, on, 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 from Friday sundown to Saturday sunset. And so for those people, if they put it on their phone, they also need to have a card because I sponsor a number of religious Jews and even the young ones. It's kind of like, I hear what you're saying. What are you going to do on Shabbat? Oh, I want you to have the card ready because I don't want you to call me at the end of Shabbat and say I acted out because I didn't have my prayer card. I could, no, it's not that. I couldn't use my phone. Therefore, it's not my fault. 
It's God's will. He made me act out on Shabbat. By the way, for those of you who are Jewish and heard the laughter, you I got to understand that the Goyim are thinking that same way. Whatever the, yeah, so don't, yeah. It's not a Jewish problem. It's a sexaholic problem. Okay. So that's from the literature. I have a couple of uh, questions, and we still got a little bit of time. Uh, how can one speed up the process uh, getting from a lust addict who wants to uh, stop acting out to a person who overcomes lust? And the answer is work the steps, work the steps, work the steps, work the steps, work the steps. I told you I've done well over uh, uh, 50 uh, inventories. I, I'm sure, it's, it, as I think about it, it's got to be over 75 because in the first three years, I pro- probably wrote six or eight inventory a year in those first few years, okay? And every time something new comes up, instead of sitting on it, again, remember, uh, uh, it, it, I can, I can, it can take me three weeks and 45 minutes to write an inventory or 45 minutes to write an inventory, Okay? But it doesn't take me three years and 45 minutes to write an inventory anymore. It's an improvement. And again, I really want to, uh, to, it, to, to, to encourage that, that, that while that may seem like a very facile, uh, off-the-cuff remark, it is, it, is a, it is true in its essence. Now, if you combine this with the other things, because see, um, uh, this weekend, uh, and I've lost count, but there's more than two dozen people here that that are with whom I have a real relationship. Some of them are here from Israel, Europe, uh, scattered around the country, but there are people here with whom I have a real relationship. We're talking every week. Sometimes a couple of times a week on the phone because we can't get to see each other every day. See, I'm, I'm working the steps in the context of a fellowship that works the steps. Now, this Sunday I'll be here, but next Sunday I'll go to my home group meeting. I'll go to two meetings, a book study, a discussion meeting, and then anywhere from 8 to 15 people will leave that meeting at 1130. We will go have lunch and just the way that it works out because of par- who gets there first and parks first, I end up sitting not next to the same person every time. So I'm ending up in relationship having just come from a meeting talking about life on life's terms with a, with another group of, re- with, with two or three, the two or three recovered alcoholics who are sitting right next to me at the table, not eight people down. And, and, and we now have a guy, I remember when he showed up at his first meeting, he's now six, he's seven months sober, and he's nearly finished with step four. I'm telling you, you know, when, when, that's, when that's how you choose to live your life. Now, it's not that I spend all my times in meetings and hanging out with alcoholics, Okay. There are there are a group of my colleagues who who actually call me and ask for my opinion on on uh, technical and professional. 
sometimes we'll get together and have dinner to talk about professional stuff. Okay, uh, there there are there uh, there are other parts of my greater community with whom I have relationship that I couldn't otherwise have if I don't have my recovery. Okay? So, so, uh, so I just want to offer, uh, and, and uh, uh, if I turn my phone off for 24 hours when I turn it on, instead of that, you have no new messages, it's like, how am I going to answer all these calls? Now, that's a good problem to have. But, uh, but, but it's awesome because what that tells me is that people who, who have spoken with me before who want to talk with me again, they weren't wanting to talk with me again 25 years ago. After the first time, it's like, that's enough. <laughs> okay, so that's how you speed up the thing. I'm going to take the last couple of minutes and... Uh, um, Can you can you go deeper regarding your real problem being spiritual versus lust? Um, I think I, I kind of uh, touched on that um, when I talked about Chuck Chamberlain's one problem, one solution: conscious separation from, conscious contact or union with. Um, I have a a daily discipline of prayer and meditation it 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 includes um, the serenity prayer the third step prayer the seventh step prayer and the eleventh step prayers it includes some other prayers from my uh, faith tradition um, it and 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 by doing that on a regular basis, I have begun to get a glimpse. I'm not saying I see myself as God sees me because that's arrogance in the highest order. But I've, I, I share often uh, with people that today I know that I am a beloved child of a loving and gracious Heavenly Father and that my God delights in me. He delights in all His kids. Now, you may not believe that he delights in you, but I know he does. Okay? I didn't believe it when I got here. But by doing this, I came, I have gotten to a place where that's really the self-concept, the self-esteem, the self-image that I am developing. I'm not, I, I'm not saying I never get shaken in that, but what I can tell you is that that when 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 a spiritually sick person gets angry at me because his or her life isn't going well and wants to blame me for their problems it usually doesn't bother me at all because you may think that I am projecting or 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 therapizing or whatever label you want to put selfish self-centered you you may believe all of that but my creator believes that I am a beloved child. And I'm sorry, your opinion against that just doesn't count that much. Okay? Now, 
Um, David Maynard, who will be speaking at one of the meals, and Harvey were both at my first meeting. Okay? They saw what a wreck I was. I was at dinner, uh, at lunch, that I described with my sponsor and this new guy, and there were a couple of other relatively new people who've worked all the steps, but they've been sober one or two years. Uh, and, and, and of course, I've been sober for nearly 30 years, and I've really never had much of a drinking problem to begin with, obviously. Uh, and, and, uh, um, and I was telling about something that happened in, in early sobriety that had to do with a rage attack. That sh- People my size should not have rage attacks when the other person is six foot tall. Okay. But I didn't care. And, and Rick said, said, Bill, I hate to interrupt, but before you go any further, it would be easy for, for, for some of you people to think that Bill is exaggerating here, but he's not. That's all he said, but he's not. Rick was there. He, he, he was in meetings with me for the better part of a year before I went to the hospital. The fact that he was willing to work the steps with me when I got out of the hospital is, is a testament that, that it's kind of like, oh, I love a project. <laughs> we'll see if this works. <laughs> it was awful. I know it was awful. I know it was awful for you. If it wasn't awful for you, you wouldn't be here this weekend. But what I'm here to tell you is that if you practice these principles as a way of life, then that, that's, that's the quote. AA's 12, from page 15 of the 12 and 12, AA's 12 steps, which are essays 12 steps, are a set of principles, spiritual in, their, in nature, which if practiced as a way of life, not talked about in meetings, if practiced as a way of life, will expel the obsession and enable the sufferer to live happily and usefully whole. What more do you guys want? Happily and usefully whole. That's the better. That's a better deal than you've ever had before, but you don't have any idea how good a deal that becomes until you experience it. And then, when you do, you realize that this is what this is the spiritual connection that you were looking for when you were out there making the misconnection. So. That's all of that's all of the time that we have today. Uh, I want to thank everyone who has attended. I want to thank the people who submitted the uh, questions. And uh, uh, if if you uh, if you don't have it handy, uh, just kind of go with us. But I'd like to close this one with the uh, seventh step prayer. Prayer, my Creator. I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Thank you.
Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, I missed you. I know, I, t- I told you you couldn't hear because you had so much going on about what you'll be doing to have you work. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, gl- I'm, glad, I'm glad that you joined. I, like I say, I, I get that, first things first. But anyway, you know, one other thing you can add to your deal is you know what? It's page 89. This guy from Ireland, Ireland, yeah, Ireland spoke about this. Uh, on the white book or the big yeah, book? The big book. It's, uh, he calls it the insurance. The best way to ensure your sobriety is working with others. Intensive work with others. It doesn't say sponsor, I'm just working with others. Uh-huh. When I first got sober, first time ever, I'd call people on the phone. I wasn't that sober, but I'd call people and, you know, it's a 12 step to come to SA. And if I heard someone in the meeting struggling, I'd go and get your phone number and call them. Uh huh. I did that when I started working with you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I just want to make sure that I'm not leaving a bad mess. You're on the microphone still, too. Pardon? Thank you. Welcome. You know I need help in the translating of book committee. I know oh, thank you. Essay was looking for translation in Portugal. Speaks Portuguese. Yes. You know what they still looking for that? Well, take care. Uh, the person Aviad, you're you're not on translations, are you? Which one? Are you on translations committee? In this conference, you have translations. No. <clears throat> no, uh, the International Translations Committee. You're not on that. Okay. <clears throat> the trustee. She's the one to ask. I think the short answer is going to be yes. The other, the, oh, the other option. Yeah. I know okay. I used to say they were looking for it. Right. Now, hi. Yeah. Hi. It's amazing. Oh, okay. So it's hi. Hi. Okay. No, no. I just. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.